and welcome to the Rooted in Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Rooted in Language. Our mission is to help all learners become the best readers and writers they can be, both typical learners and those who struggle. We bring you our best understanding of how to teach students grades K through 12 based on the science of reading. I'm Rita Sabasco, a speech and language pathologist who's been working with struggling learners for four decades. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about sight words. Specifically, I'm going to talk about Linnea Airy and her phases of sight word reading. This is an interesting piece of research because it really sums up so much of what we know about reading and what we're learning about what we think of as sight words. So first I want to define for you what a sight word is. A sight word, according to researchers, is a word that we can instantly recognize when we see it. Now, calling it a sight word is a bit of a misnomer because it can lead us to think and has led many educators to think that students don't actually use phonological information. They just memorize the whole word as it looks on a page. But researchers have been looking at this ability for a long time. And what they've discovered is that we actually are tracking our phonological information. And because we're very efficient at tracking this phonological information, we're able to attach it to what's called our orthographic information, what the word looks like. And we can simultaneously connect what we see on a page to how a word is pronounced and what the word means. And so over time, we're able to have this very fast connection between what we say and what we see and what the word means. And in its meaning, embedded in its meaning, is its grammatical structure and usage. And this is what allows us to have a sense of what words are coming, we know generally how a word might be spelled, even if we've never seen it before. We've developed these skills called these sight word skills. So I'm gonna give you a little example of this. I want you to picture these words in your head, actually picture them as I say them. Adage, finite, idiom, diagram. Now I want you to use the word diagram in some kind of sentence. So whether or not you're absolutely sure how to spell those words, you were able to picture them. And if you saw them on a page, you could read them quickly. And what's interesting about this is when I gave you the word diagram and I asked you to make a sentence, you could have used it as either a noun or a verb and both would have been correct. And you may have even had a sense as you were thinking of a sentence that you could have played with either of those options. This instantaneous knowledge when you heard a word is now connected, not just to its meaning, not just to its grammar, but what the word looks like and how you might write it. What's interesting about these words is most of them are what we call tier three words. These are low frequency words that tend to be content specific. So it may have been years 
since you've seen the word adage. It may have been years since you've needed to write the word finite. You may or may not have recently come upon the word idiom, but that's assuming you don't have a career that makes you use any of these words with any regularity. What's so interesting about it is we only had to be exposed to these words a few times before they became sight words to us. If we saw them now, we could read them easily. So how does that happen? How do we become the kind of reader? And this is the real question. How do I achieve this level of reading proficiency that I now can come upon new words and I only have to see them a few times before they become sight words to me? So as I told you, many researchers have been looking into this process. And one of my favorite models is by a woman named Linnea Airy. And she wrote about her theory in the 2007 edition of the book, The Science of Reading, a Handbook, which is edited by Snowling and Hulm. And in her book, she maps out these phases of sight word development. And I've taken most of my information from that source, although she has multiple publications on this. Now, there are many, many details to this. And there are other researchers who've been putting together models and these models are overlapping, which is one of the ways we can begin to trust them. And if you go to my blog, which is titled the same, Aries Phases of Sight Word Reading, you'll get more of these details. But in this podcast, I just want to give you a brief overview. So you know, at Rooted in Language, we talk about this idea that reading is not a one and done ordeal. We are not non-readers who one day walk through a door and become readers. And we're not non-readers who just look at a bunch of books and magically our brains just go, oh, I get it. And then we cross over to the other side and we're now readers. Instead, learning to read is literally growing brain cells, as you've heard from us many, many times. We're repurposing areas of the brain used for oral language. They're being reconstructed, made new with new connections uh, to allow for reading and writing. And this is a long process and it takes many years. And at the end of it, we're able to look at words and apply all our reading knowledge and connect them, all their word parts and components, including pronunciation. And pronunciation is a big piece of this, even when we're engaged in silent reading. This isn't just reading. This is what Mark Seidenberg calls language at the speed of sight. And it is an amazing brain skill. Aries says, and I'm quoting her here, to learn sight words this rapidly requires a powerful mnemonic system. When a reader's eyes land on a familiar written word, its pronunciation, meaning, and syntactic role are all activated in memory. And what Airy describes for us is not a door to reading, but more like a path to reading. And we like for you to imagine this path as made up of many stones. It's a stone path. 
and children are progressing stone by stone by stone along this path, okay? And she says, these are not stages because we think of stages as steps. I'm in stage one, now stage two, now stage three. Instead, children progress through phases. And just the word phase gives you that sense of transition because they can still have some skills in one phase as they're transitioning into another phase. But I'm gonna break it into its kind of main components. So there is this pre-alphabetic phase, and this is what we think of as pre-literacy. Children are in the preschool ages, they're being exposed to the alphabet, they may have learned their alphabet, this letter knowledge is really, really important. It kind of primes them for learning to read. And so they have this awareness of letters. They may have an awareness of print. They know which way to hold a book. They have a sense of what words look like. And they may even have a sense of what words are. They know what a name is. They may know their name. They may be able to write their name. When they see signs, they may be able to quote, read a sign. They're basically out in the world memorizing words and making connections that these whole words that they see have meaning, that they're symbolic of some meaning. And that is a really important pre-alphabetic phase. Even when kids write their own name, we might think, oh, they understand the sounds in their name. Not necessarily. They're just writing their name okay, as a whole memorized grouping. And then we begin to teach them how to read. And hopefully we're doing this in the right way. We're teaching them sound to letter connections. Absolutely important because we know these sight words are activating phonological information. So we start from this phonological perspective. We're starting from here is the sound you hear and say. This is the sound you hear and say. And this is the letter you see and write that goes with that sound. And children enter what is called the partial alphabetic phase. They're understanding that there are sound to letter connections, but their usage is limited. They have a tendency to attend to initial letters in a word, and final letters in a word, but not medial portions of the word. They may still be guessing at some words, but they're also beginning to apply sound strategies for sounding out, for segmenting, for blending. They're getting it partially, but not totally. Now, back to this path, they're on this path, they're in the partial alphabetic phase, and we're teaching, 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 and having them practice. Oh, and guess what? One of the things that moves children through these phases with better skills is writing. Turns out writing, just as we always say, is the secret sauce. We need to be teaching reading with writing always. So they're on this path, and a really, really bumpy path is going to be hard to make transitions, right? You kind of get stuck with your foot back on one stone because it's really uncomfortable to have your feet transitioning from one stone to the next. So kids who have a lot of learning problems in that same way, they can get stuck in this partial alphabetic phase. But what we want is kids start transitioning out of this phase and into this full alphabetic phase. 
And in the full alphabetic phase, children are totally attending to all of the word, all of the middle parts, all of the segments, all of the syllables. I'm gonna quote Ari here again. This connection forming process works not only to secure regularly spelled words in memory, but also irregularly spelled words, most of which exhibit some regularity. So what researchers are beginning to understand is that when I look at a word, I match the sounds I hear and say to the letters I see and write. Most of those matches will be expected, right? They'll be regular, but some of those spellings will be irregular, unexpected, and I'm able to memorize, notice these middle portions, tends to be vowels, and memorize them and connect them in this orthographic memory, we call it. And I'm able to track those irregularities in spelling as I track the regularities. And it's because I'm becoming so very proficient at this job. Once we're in the full alphabetic stage, we are learning on our own. We're reading, we're pulling in words, we're seeing words a couple times. They're becoming sight words to us. And in the midst of this phase, Ari tags on a special component. She calls it the consolidated alphabetic phase. And some of the other researchers have other names for these. But what they say is that we begin to develop and think in terms of what's called graphophonemic units, units of word parts and chunks of spelling patterns. And we see these patterns, our brains are pattern recognizers. We like to see patterns. We like to find patterns. It lets us have shortcuts when we know what to expect. And we see these chunks. We only have to see a couple I-G-H-T words and know I pronounce that chunk as it. And then when I see a new one that maybe I don't know, I'm able to try to sound it out because that I-G-H-T chunk not just the vowel spelling, but the chunk of that word is now in a fast memory component, okay? It's consolidated. I'm beginning to consolidate these chunks. That includes our grammatical morphemes of prefixes, suffixes, common base words. I might be able to easily consolidate the P-L-O-D-E, plod. And so I know explode and I know implode. I can learn lots of plode kind of words because I've seen that chunk and I know it now. This is how I get ICT. I might know this ICT kind of chunk in picture, predict, and then I come upon a word like edict and I can easily read it because I've seen that chunk before and my brain already knows it. Researchers call this unitizing because our brains find patterns and we create spelling units and it helps us be fast and it helps us be accurate. Syllable work is so important here. And this is why we do it. This is why we start kids out noticing more vowels. This is why we work with the morphology, prefixes, suffixes, base words, 
This is why we have reading across syllable strategies. So kids are really picking up these groupings from the vowel to the end of a syllable, these common groupings. This is difficult for the struggling learner, as you may know. They tend to have difficulty transitioning from the pre-alphabetic, where they're just memorizing words, to the partial alphabetic. And then they have difficulty transitioning from the partial alphabetic to the full alphabetic. And we think that their consolidating abilities may not be as robust. And this is why we do the kind of work we do with kids. We give them a lot of time. We give them a lot of practice. We give them a lot of strategies. We are helping them become stronger phonological processors who are constantly tracking the sounds they hear and say to the letters they see and write. Reading at the speed of sight is a developmental process that takes explicit instruction and epic practice, far more practice than most people realize, even more so for our struggling learners. That's why we, the teachers, need to work harder on their behalf too. To help you read more information and recommended instructions for each phase in my accompanying blog of the same title, Eerie's Phases of Sight Word Reading. There also is a download that is a summary of the phase, each phase, and what we recommend in terms of our work with students when they are in that phase. This is Rita Sabasco from Rooted in Language. As always, we appreciate your listening and your support. When you like a podcast or a blog, and when you share them with your friends, you help others find this critical information. Also, follow us on social media, both Facebook and Instagram. Visit and share our website, rootedinlanguage.com. Support our mission to help all learners become the best readers and writers they can be, including 